Welcome to another episode in the Fleming Foundation's podcast series, From Under the Rubble. Today is the third episode in the series in which we hope to clarify the legal and moral status of human life. I'm Rex Scott, your host, and the guest today, as on all days, is Dr. Thomas Fleming. Welcome. Good to be with you, Rex. In the first two episodes, we more or less took it for granted that abortion is wrong, in part because it's a dereliction of a mother's duty to love and nurture her child, and in part because it's not only homicide, but it's an egregious type of unjustifiable homicide, the taking of an innocent life. Today, we're going to take up some of the arguments used to defend abortion rights. Now, the first one is the familiar argument that only women can conceive and bear a child, so only she can decide whether to have the baby or not. The choice, they say, is especially necessary in cases of birth defects and rape or to save a mother's life. What do you think? Well, coincidentally, Rex, the other night I was looking for an old comedy routine that I wanted to quote from. Mm -hmm. And I found a 1991 episode of Johnny Carson with his guest Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. The late Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Williams got big laughs by pretending to confront a pro-life advocate, complete with a southern hick accent, showing him a defective baby. Now, how'd you like that? You want to spend your life with that? By the way, this was nearly 30 years ago, and no one in the audience appeared to be shocked by this outrageous behavior, Mm -hmm. this attitude of contempt. Now, in the first place, this argument that you bring up is simply a false argument on many levels. The cases in which a mother's life is at risk... Uh, through pregnancy are are very few. And even where such a risk is possible, it results in less than 1% of abortions. It's hard to say because in the old days, there used to be doctors who would say, oh, well, I think the mother's life is at risk because she could have a hangnail or whatever. I mean, right. but if you, but realistically, I remember Dr. Guttmacher, who was a famous obstetrician mm-hmm. who performed many abortions. He said that not only had he never presided over such a case, he had never met a doctor who had ever had to help a woman make a decision, her life or the baby. And with the way hospitals hospitals and doctors and yeah. uh, the knowledge that we have now, there's a lot they can do yeah. to yeah. save the baby and the mother. So it's pretty much of a bogus argument. It's a, good, it's a good example of the old legal adage that hard cases make bad law. Hmm. Secondly, the cases where abortion might be justified by serious birth defects are also very few, certainly not anything like 10%. Hmm. Now suppose, just suppose we wanted to take Christian morality off the table uh, and okay. let the moderates on both sides craft a law making abortion a felony, except in cases where a mother's life is at risk or the baby would be born with very serious debilitating birth defects that would prevent it from leading anything like a moral life. Would the left agree to this? Hmm. Well, the answer is absolutely not. And that is why when they use this argument, they are only proving themselves to be lying hypocrites. Yeah, but would you support that law? Well, I might and I might not. It depends on the circumstances. In a Christian country, no, of course not, because in a Christian country or any country with any kind of moral sense, even believing Jews and believing Muslims would have a much stronger law. Right. But in these anti-Christian United States of America, Mm. 
yeah, I, th I would be a big step forward. If we could pass and enforce such a law, we would eliminate about 90% of all abortions. So that mm. would be a good thing. Yeah. The case of a mother's life is, of course, a separate case because here I think husband and wife, whether pagan or Christian, have to have the right to choose. In this case, it's it, again, I, I've never known anybody or heard of anybody where it's there, but if, if you want to have such a law, I think it's better for the family to choose, not just the woman herself. It takes two, as they say. Yeah. In the case of birth defects, there is no argument whatsoever that's valid for prepartum abortion mm -hmm. at any point that wouldn't be valid for postpartum infanticide. Hmm. Okay, some people argue that a baby is not fully human, even potentially, until it's developed for about six months, so that while they oppose late-term abortion, it's okay for a certain period, say, 180 days. Well, that's another entirely bogus argument that okay. shows what liars these people are. <laughs> 180 days? Well, why not 181? 182? 250? 251? What about two days after birth? What about 10 years after birth? But wait a minute. A 10-year-old is like a fully human, you know, person. I really? Mean, How many 10-year-olds have you run into lately? Maybe in a... <laughs> the question is viability. Maybe in a primitive society, there are 10 or 11-year-old children who, with the help of the tribe, can get on. Not today, when a 40-year-old man is still living in his mother's basement. <laughs> what would a 5- or 10-year-old, or for that matter, 12-year-old child do on its own yeah, in I this see. world? It can't provide food, shelter, or protection huh. against predators. The first thing that would happen is that the child would fall into the hands of a sexual predator oh, and boy. be made a sex slave. A child, by definition, cannot make rational decisions for itself. Right. Our legal system insists that in cases of child abuse, the state must appoint advocates for the child because he is incapable of representing right. himself in a legal case. He's non compos mentis. Ah. So if a 10-year-old is non compos mentis, cannot fend for himself, then, gee, he's hardly any different than a, a child a month before it's born. Okay, point well taken. Now, this one is a more serious one, I think, in, in my opinion. What about cases of rape? I certainly understand the reluctance of any woman to bear and rear a child that is the product of rape. I can't think of anything more disgusting. Yeah. On the other hand, the child is a victim, not a criminal. Yeah. It is absolutely unthinkable to imagine a legal system that would carry out a principle like this. In other words, we will not just punish the perpetrator of a crime, but we'll punish a collateral victim. Right. Let's try to imagine an analogy. Let's say I'm out on the highway. Okay. And I deliberately crash my car into another car that crashes into a third vehicle. All right. Now, do we punish the vehicle of car number two for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, getting bashed in by me? In other words, he's a victim of my criminal behavior. Does he have to share my punishment and go to jail? Well, okay, let's set aside the question of stating a specific date before which abortion is or is not legal. What about the feminist argument that while a fetus may be a form of human life, it is only 
potential. If I cut down a valuable oak tree, let's say, on someone's property, I can be forced to pay the full value of the tree, but if I just steal an acorn and throw it in the fire, it's hardly worth the effort to take me to court. It's a, a trivial offense. So you kind of get the analogy there. Sure. It's a very common feminist analogy, and it's another argument that would be amusing if it were not so grotesquely immoral. Mm. Let's look at the amusing part. Okay. Okay. Most trees of the same species are more or less the same. Some may grow to be bigger or more beautiful or more disease resistant, but the differences for the most part are not terribly important. Okay. Commercially grown softwoods, you know, the various southern pines, right. are often cloned. That, that is, every tree in a forest for 100 miles is genetically identical. But all this stuff, by the way, that, oh, man now has the power of God because we can clone mm. uh, things. We've been cloning things forever. Oh. This is nothing. Huh. Anyway, okay. uh, and it reminds me of Ronald Reagan's famous statement about when he was asked about saving redwood trees. Well, you've seen one redwood, you've seen them all. What? Well, when you've seen one loblolly pine, you certainly have. Higher mammals are something different. Okay. A mongrel puppy may not be worth much, and Rex, I understand you're thinking about getting we a dog these days. We are thinking about it, and a mongrel puppy would probably suit us just fine. Yeah, but a purebred dog with a good mm. bloodline might sell for several thousand this dollars. This I know. And go up even to ten or $20,000 if it's really a potential uh, show not dog. Not my house. Now, if I destroy a breeder's puppy okay. or puppies, I, see yeah. I can be held liable for their potential earnings as a show dog put out to stud. Right, I see that. I don't just say, well, this puppy itself is only worth $2,000 right now, but someday it could bring in an earning of, you know, $100,000 or a $1 million. Hmm. Now, human beings are the most distinctive of mammals. Yes. We're a long way up the chain from dogs. Each one is precious, not so much because he or she might accomplish great things. As a side note, I'd, I'd say that pro-life advocates get distracted by this. They're always arguing that committing an abortion will be killing all and Einstein could also be we could be depriving the world of Adolf Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, that, uh, that's okay. a knife that cuts two ways. Right. But the point is that each human being is a precious, unique individual. That's right. And even in the cases of, of, say, a talented human being, imagine a young but highly talented violinist. She's just beginning to make her career okay. as a soloist, and she's earning a modest $75,000. grand. I'm in the wrong business. Yeah, we're right. both in the wrong business. <laughs> now, experts in the field, that is a great symphony conductor, and other great violinists rate her potential top earning power in today's dollars at hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. If I cut off her hands, what? either deliberately or through negligence, uh -oh. like push her off a, a train into an oncoming train, and, it, and there, there have been such cases. Okay, I, I can see where you come from. Will I be sued? to just for her current earnings, in other words, $75,000, right. or will I be sued to compensate her potential earnings? And believe me, it's hmm. the latter. Even in our legal analysis, we take into account human potential. Yeah. So the oak tree analogy would only work if it were a unique tree with the potential for producing a cure for cancer. Okay. And the tree was dying, had produced just one acorn that would bring these results, the cure for cancer. Right. But that's not it. That's right. not it. The rarity of it. I, okay, I see. All right. One more argument, and I, I think we've got this covered. Some feminists use the analogy 
of Alien, or the newest installment of Alien, Prometheus, where an alien form is implanted into the woman's body, causing discomfort, very much discomfort, and imposing obligation. Naturally, she has the right to extract it surgically, this monster that's in her, and in the movie, she did. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yikes. Yeah. This one is even worse. It's more grotesquely immoral than uh -huh. the previous argument. It's one thing to compare human life to a lower form of life, like a puppy or an acorn. Right. It's quite another thing to compare a human life to a space alien monster. In the first place, only a tiny fraction of conceptions are due to rape. Otherwise, the woman is a willing party to the conception. Now, however, they want to be able to go off and frisk and frolic in the sheets and yet get off scot-free without mm. any responsibility and feminists who make this argument ignore the obvious fact that the baby is 50% the mother's genetic stock. Right. Now, if we want an analogy, suppose a family decided to adopt a child and then after they'd had the child for a month, a week, a year, two years, they found it inconvenient. Now, let's suppose further, because if we can make up space aliens, we could certainly make up. Suppose that the orphanage says, no, we're not taking it back. We're holding you to the letter of the law. The only way out then is to kill the inconvenient child, right? Right? What's wrong uh, with that? Uh, that yeah. uh, um, well, you know, I'd like to say something also uh, along those lines. It could be argued that that 50% of genetic material that she owns, couldn't that give her even more ownership because the other person is gone and yeah. out? But it would give her, it seems to me, even more of a right to say, this is a, a choice yeah. that is purely mine. And I can make this choice. That's a good point, because not just in case of rape, but a casual sexual affair. She doesn't know who the father is, okay. or he's long gone, right. or he's dead. And so, well, you know, she got this kid into the world. That is, he's already in the world when he's in her womb. Right. And now, so she has 100% responsibility for what would have originally been only 50% responsibility. I think the great sin in that, too, is basing it all on inconvenience. Yeah. This is inconvenient for me. It's not the right well, time. Billie what Jean if I don't know that Billie guy? Billie Jean King, she was facing a big tennis tournament, so she killed her child. Really? Yeah. That doesn't yeah. work for me no. at all. That, that's bad. Now, all of these analogies, yeah. but especially the oak tree analogy and the space alien analogy, yeah. they all rest on very degrading comparisons and these degrading analogies that is what your baby is like a space alien growing inside you right. it's a cancer don't you have a right to cut out a tumor they're designed to blind us make us morally blind to the simple fact that babies are human whether mm. they're one day after conception sure. six months after conception or 15 years after birth right now if you ask my honest opinion a baby in the womb is more nearly perfectly human than the mother who would want to extract.